Hey, MEAC fans, it's time to step into a championship. The 2023 MEAC Men's and Women's Basketball Tournament tips off March 8th through the 11th at the Scope Arena in Norfolk, Virginia. Join all the Me action with competitive basketball games, fun theme nights, and fan fests, official after parties, and comedy shows. Tickets are on sale via Ticketmaster, and you can log on to MEACHoops.com for more info. The 2023 MEAC Basketball Tournament. Who will be crowned champion? Welcome to the Fantrax Toolshed, a podcast covering all aspects of fantasy baseball to help you win all of your fantasy leagues. From dynasty to prospects to redraft, we got you covered. Now, here are your hosts, Eric Cross and Chris Clay. All right, fantasy baseball fanatics around the world, welcome to the Toolshed. This is episode 144 of the Fantrax Toolshed with Clegg and Cross, powered by Fantrax and FantraxHQ.com. I'm your host, Eric Cross. We have another fun episode in store today, and with me, as usual, is my 80-grade co-host, Mr. Chris Clegg. Chris, what's going on, man? You know, not a whole lot. Same old, same old. Kind of getting in the swing of things again after, you know, uh, my wife went back to school as a teacher, and then Hayden's in daycare, so... Yeah, just getting in a, a normal routine again after them being home all summer. So it's been good. Ready to get back out some baseball this week. Actually, uh, Ian Kundle will be down here in Greenville, so we're going to catch a couple games. Um, nice. Drive, so be good. Yeah, I'm excited to see some more Marcella Mayer and, and Blaze Jordan and that whole crew. So be good. Looking forward to that. It's a good crew for sure. Yeah, I was just looking at the schedule. I'm debating because – Mick Abel and Andrew Painter made their double-A debuts this weekend. Abel on Saturday, Painter on Sunday, which if there's no rainouts or anything, out, no like nobody gets pushed back or whatever, if it stays online, they'd be going, I'm talking about the following week, so like a week and a half from now, on Thursday and Friday in Hartford, Connecticut. I'm debating. I could make it down without taking the day off from work on Thursday for that game. I have to take off Friday from work. But, you know, I don't want to take those days off and, you know, book a hotel, sit down there for the night, and then, you know, they get pushed back or something like that. So I'd love to see Abel and Painter, though. That'd be fun, but we'll see. But a couple couple more. I think we have two more homestands here in Portland, I believe. Nobody, like, super big that I haven't already seen coming. But, yeah, it's weird. Minor league season's already, like, you know, under a month left to go. It's weird. Like, the summer's just flown by. You said your, your wife's back to school. My kids are going back to school next Monday. That's their first day. Man, where did the summer go, Chris? That's a great question. I have no clue. <laughs> Wasn't it just uh, June like or May? Now it's yeah. almost September. I, it's crazy because I think there's only two home series left for at least high A. I think you know, double and triple A may extend longer. But and I think there's. I think it goes to early September, but the drive have two more home series. So kind of sad about that, man. I know, right? It's because like the season just got kicked off here for minor leagues. Now it's already <laughs> over. It's always too quick, but yeah. Fortunately, yeah, I, we'll, have, we'll have some AFL to go to in a couple yeah. months. That'll, that'll give us a little itch until next year. Yeah, I'm afraid, though, that instructs are going to be over by the time we go because we're they, going later they will this be. year. Yeah, I was just talking talking with Welsh, and yeah, they will be, unfortunately. Yeah, They're starting them sad. early. They're starting them in like two weeks or something like that, yeah. like early September. So Yeah, I heard that. Unfortunately, but we'll still get some games, and that'll be fun. Yep. 
And we got a lot of fun players and topics to discuss today. But before we get into the show, the usual housekeeping, you can find us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I'm at Aircross04. And our show's at Fantrax Toolshed. If you enjoy this podcast, please rate and review. Check out our Patreon for extra content from both of us. And of course, check out all the other great work from the entire team over at Fantrax HQ. All right, let's hop right into it, Chris. A player that I had a lot of questions asked me about, and there was a good little discussion about him on Twitter, so I figured we'd fit it into the show. Xander Bogarts, you know, he's having a you know, a fine season. and There's nothing wrong with what he's doing this year. He's the leader of the Red Sox, all that jazz. But from a fantasy standpoint, it's kind of been a little underwhelming, especially for you know where he was drafted, where he you know where he's valued in dynasty purposes. Overall, 484 plate appearances. 299, 370, 435. So the power's kind of down a bit there. Still hitting for you know high average and a good OBP, of course. Nine home runs, 49 RBI, 65 runs scored, and seven seals. So, you know, obviously he's never been the you know, the putting up the gaudy stolen base numbers or power numbers. Never has the big power speed blend, but he's done, you know, this is a down year for him fantasy wise. Now, last year, 23 home runs. He had, then he had 11 in the shortened 2020 season, so a pace of about 25, 26 or so. 33 back in 2019 and 23 back in 2018. So really, he's either hit 23 or more or had a pace of 23 or more every season since 20, was it 2018. He's not going to drive in anywhere near 100 RBI this year. The runs scored are down. Seven steals are still nice, and so the average in OBP is still good, but... Where do you what are you doing with Xander right now? Are you kind of moving him down your rankings, Chris? I mean, he's still not too too old. He's twenty nine. When when will he be thirty? I don't think he'll be thirty for a little bit, but twenty nine years old. But performance is kind of meh right now, or at least compared to like where you thought he would be. So is he someone that you're kind of dropping down your rankings a little bit? Yeah, I don't want to, but he's just been so safe of a bit. Right. Hit for a high average. You know, the contact skills are there. He does everything that you really want him to do, except he's just not having the power output that you expect. And you look, and the numbers are a bit down this year. Like his average EV is down about a mile and a half, which is pretty significant when you're talking going from 89.6 to 88.2. And the max EV is pretty low. The barrel rate's 4% down, which is, again, pretty notable. And you just have to wonder, like, what's happened? Where did the power go? You look at the spray chart, and... Honestly, though, he's hit a lot of balls like that look like they could be home runs that just really haven't gone for home runs. So there are some concerns with him, but you have to wonder, like, is there some kind of underlying injury going on that's caused this decline in power at least to stop hitting the ball as hard? His home run to flat ball rate is down pretty significantly as well, and he's hitting the ball on the ground more often. So there are some concerning signs. I mean, he hit more home runs in 2020, over 225 plate appearances than he has this year so far. It's nice you're getting some stolen bases, but nothing else. So it's not not ideal for Xander by any means. But I do think he rebounds next year. I'm not particularly worried because it is a really safe profile. I just wonder, and I, you know, obviously I'm really going to watch a lot of the games. I want he kind of looks like he's checked out a little bit, or at least to some degree. Obviously, the team isn't doing great. It's been a circus this year. So I wonder, you know, with the contract issues as well. I wonder if his mind is already like gone from Boston. I hate to say that, but it kind of has that feel a little bit. So yeah, I wonder if this is a situation where he kind of does this while he's in Boston, goes to a new team, wherever that may be, and ends up just having a nice little rebound. We'll see. But yeah, I, I, I've moved him out a bit. Like you mentioned, this 
the safety has always been there. Like he's hit no lower than 288 in each of the last five seasons. The OBP has been above 360 each of the last five seasons as well. So yeah, that safety, he will actually he'll be 30 shortly after the season ends on October 1st. So goes past that 30 plateau. But I think he's still back in top 50. But he was a guy that was in like the 25 range for me. Maybe he's more like 40 to 50 now, but still very solid. I don't think there's any like sharp decline coming. I think it's a case of he's kind of checked out a little bit on this season, unfortunately. But I, I don't really blame him with how the Red Sox have gone this year. It's been a very weird season in Boston. Moving over to the other Sox team here over in Chicago, Lucas Giolito was drafted as, if he wasn't drafted as a fantasy ace this year, it was a high-end SP2, regardless of how deep your league is. And he started off the season, just stuff wasn't there. The ratios were blo- bloated. You know, walk rate was pr- a little bit higher. But you're like, all right, he'll he'll figure it out. Some of the metrics aren't quite as you know terrible as the surface stats would indicate. He'll turn it around, and he just hasn't turned it around yet. So, is he broken per se? Like, is this? Are we ever going to see the? Even if it's not Ace Giolito, do you think, Chris, that we see Giolito bounce back to let's say top twenty-five, top thirty type of arm? Do you think he can bounce back to that? Because you know, some of the metrics aren't terrible. You know, 8.6% walk rate, 25.9K rate. Both of those are worse than previous years, but that's still not bad. A lot of the ERA indicators are like low fours compared to his 534 ERA. Where are you at on Giolito? Would you be looking to buy low if possible, or are you a bit worried that we've seen the best from him? I don't think I want anything to do with him at this point. He's no. He's burned me pretty bad, and, <laughs> you know... While some of the peripheral numbers look okay, like at 372 Sierra, you're just getting burned so bad. I mean, the whip's horrific at 153. The ERA, as you mentioned, a 534, just not good. Strikeout rate has continued to drop. It dropped last year, and then it dropped again this year, right around 25, 26%. Walk rate's gone up. Like, there's just a lot of things going on in this profile that I just don't like to see. I do wonder if <laughs> he is broken to an extent. And, I don't know. It, it's hard to watch. The fastball velo is down, which is pretty significant. He's not getting nearly as many whiffs on his slider, which is really killing him there. Changeup's still been solid, but he's still been hit hard on it as well, despite it having a decent whiff rate. So overall, you just look at the profile, and he's just leaving too many pitches over the heart of the plate and getting hit hard. And I I just haven't seen anything from him to make me say, like, okay, like I feel like there could be a rebound coming. So... Yeah, I'm pretty out on him from everything I've seen. Yeah, I am. I I would buy low if the price was like dirt cheap right now, but I don't think. I think maybe he can bounce back to be a top fifty starter back in top fifty moving forward. But yeah, the his three pitches that he uses the most four seamer about forty seven percent of the time, changeup and slider are both around twenty five percent. Curveball is very seldom used. I'm not even going to discuss it here. All three of those pitches are a two eighty four batting average against or higher a slug of 428 or higher. Both the secondaries have a slug of 500 or higher. So, yeah, like you said, he's he's still getting some whiffs. It's the change of 36.3. But, yeah, it's not, not effective with any of those offerings. It's not like, oh, it's, it's just one pitch. If he corrects that, it's like, no, these are all three are considerably worse than they were last year. Slider was 173 batting average against last year. Changeup was 218. Those are up to 298 and 294. Like, they're pushing 300. Four seamers at 284 with a 428 slug, change up 500 slug, slider 524 slug. Yeah, it's 
Look at the heat map. Four seamers has been left over to hard at the plate too often. Changeup is, I guess, not terrible, but it's a little bit too high for my liking. Slider's been okay, but in terms of heat map, but yeah, definitely very, very concerned here. I think there is some bounce back appeal, but he's only 28 too. So, but don't think he's bouncing back to SP2 or even SP3, right? Maybe SP4 in that range, maybe. But yeah, definitely very concerned about Lucas Giolito. All right, some more pitchers here. This would be a very, at least on the first half of the show, very pitching heavy for the MLB side of things. Moving over to Seattle. So let's get in some good, <laughs> some pitchers that are actually doing well right now. George Kirby is just quietly excelling this year, which I kind of expected him to. I think many of us did, but it doesn't really get talked about enough. I just tweeted out earlier, you know, after a little bit of the adjustment period, since July 1st, he's made the 37 and two-thirds innings pitched since July 1st, 2.63 ERA, 117 whip, 3.8% walk rate, 28% K rates, 1.50 FIP, and then this is all with a 365 BABIP, so being a little bit unlucky, 5.8% barrel rate allowed and a 46.6% ground ball rate. I think in 2023, in, especially in, in, and beyond as well, he's going to be a back-end fantasy ace if this doesn't get drafted or valued like it. You know, I think he's, like I've, I've said it before, I see a lot of Aaron Nola here. I think he could put up an Aaron Nola-type season in 2023. So I'm 100% buying. I still think the perceived value is a bit lower than it probably should be. So I think he's still a pretty solid buy right now. What are your thoughts on Kirby, Chris? He does need to strike out more batters to get to that level. And the whiff rates on all the pitches don't really you know, point to that happening. But even if he lives around 25%, I think that that's a, a really solid range, especially given the command control and knowing that he's not going to walk many batters. You know, this is really a high-floor type pitcher. And I think there is more upside to come. Obviously, we're talking about a – a 24-year-old making his major league debut that's performed at a high level. So that's obviously pretty important to realize here. And we're still talking about somebody with a 3-4-7 ERA and a 1-2-0 whip, which is pretty impressive. And I think there's a chance. We saw Aaron Nola kind of start out like this, and this is a similar path that I thought Mike Soroka would take too, where he you know, kind of evolved and, and got to more strikeouts in time. So I do think it's possible, but even if he lives around that 25%, I think he's a really high floor SP2 here. Yeah, I think I think there's maybe more strikeouts coming. Like I said, he's had 28% K rate over the last you know month and a half or so. Yeah, I don't think he's ever gonna be 30, but just like looking, at, just watching him pitch, like look at the stuff. It's nasty. He's got the mid to upper 90s fastball. Got the two really good breaking balls. Solid little changeup as well. And those haven't been like the metrics on those aren't you know overly, you know they don't jump off the page at you this year. But just watching the stuff, like looks like similar pitches to George Kirby based on velocity and movement on Savant. Two of them are Brendan Woodruff and Zach Wheeler. And then the, actually this whole list, for the most part, is pretty impressive. Woodruff, Wheeler, Frankie Montas, and Charlie Morton. And then Joan Adon randomly mixed in there, kind of weird. <laughs> but it's always like that one random one mix in that you just don't like. One of these things is not like the other type of thing. But this is some pretty damn good pitchers there to be compared to in terms of velocity and movement. So I do think the Kate will take up. I think he can be... You know, twenty-seven-ish percent, which is you know above average. It's good. It's not elite by any means, but that plus low ratios, which I think he can be like you know three ERA, low one WHIP type. I think he can kind of get into that back end ace or yeah, even high end two discussion. So love love me some George Kirby. That's for sure. I've always I've always been a big Kirby guy. Moving out to the West Coast here, a couple of so we got a bunch of Dodgers to talk about here. First off, let's get the bad news out of the way. 
Walker Bueller needing his second Tommy John surgery. That's not like breaking news. Obviously, it happened, when was that, about several days ago at this point. But obviously, he's been considered a top five dynasty arm or at least close to it for the last handful of years, Chris. Where do you value him now? You know, obviously, the the stuff wasn't as great this year. Maybe, obviously, the injury could have played a little bit into that. But coming off another major injury... Where do you value him now, and where do you think he can get back to after the he comes back? That's a tough one because he was already kind of fading a bit before the injury, and you, you wonder like how long was was it was he pitching hurt? And it's possible he's going to bump outside of the top fifty overall at least for me. He should actually was already there, so he's going to bump a little further. I think he's a really tough one to value. Obviously, going to miss next year. For me, he's looking at like a top 25 Dynasty SP right now. But I don't know what kind of level he gets back to. He could really struggle. You know, he, he was kind of already struggling with the fastball a bit, and was that was hurting him. And who knows what Bueller we see when he get back. And I guess that's the concerning question here, having his second Tommy John, like who will we see when he comes back? But it's a weird situation if you have him in Dynasty – you kind of have to hold unless you just like are desperate for to get someone now and you can get a, a top 100 type arm overall, then mm. you, you probably do it. But otherwise, like I feel like you're selling low in a lot of cases. Yeah, I'm kind of there with you. So I'm going to do let's play a little uh, who would you rather have here. I'm going to go with some some arms in the back end of my top 100 that I think are pretty, pretty close to him one way or another at this point in time. Someone come, come you say you got Walker Bueller, Chris. Someone comes up and offers you. Let's go Logan Webb. Who are you taking? I take Webb. Webb, okay. How about Severino? Well, he's hurt too, so that makes it tough. But we, he'll be back this year. Right, we think. right. We, we think. He, he shouldn't be out next year too. So <laughs> if contending, I'd probably take Severino just because he was really good with what we saw. He definitely was. How about a hurt arm buzz coming back maybe this year, if not beginning of next year? Tyler Glasnow. I would rather have Glass now because we know he's past Tommy John and he's coming back and we know he's got a lead upside. Yep. I think I would lean Glass now as well. Shane Boss. Hmm. Gosh, I'd probably take Boss. I'm just lowering Bueller lower and lower in my rankings. All right. I'm going to drop a little further down here. Let's go. Let's go with the, the top pitching prospect, Grayson Rodriguez. Take G Rod. <laughs> You're okay. I'm going to fuck bad. It. We're going to keep going until we find, all right, where's, no, not him. Let's go, uh, how about Kyle Wright? Hmm. Wright's been really good. I mean, you could argue that Wright was doing or has been doing what, you know, Bueller was doing too. So, golly, this is crazy that I'm even considering this, honestly. Right. No pun, no pun intended there. <laughs> <laughs> but we're getting we're getting close. Like we're at least getting close to that range. Yeah. Back in top one hundred. So he may need to be a little lower than I expected, honestly. I'm it's honestly like a coin flip for me. So knowing that right pitches next year, if I'm in contention, I'll probably take him. All right. We'll do one more than call it good. How about nasty Nestor Cortez? I'd keep Bueller. So okay, there, there we, we go. <laughs> we found it. I was I was determined to go until we found someone. But yeah, I'm I'm kind of I'm there with you. I probably would take. I would still lean Bueller over Wright. It is definitely very close now. I think I would agree with all the other ones. I'd definitely take Glasnow right now. 
Severino, probably Webb. The Webb's been kind of meh this year, but at least he's pitching, so that definitely helps. Low ratio is just the key. It's just been not as great, but yeah, I think he's to settle in the back end top 100 range where a lot of those arms are that I just mentioned. But yeah, definitely not good. Two Tommy Johns, not great. All right, sticking with the Dodgers here. Gonsolin, he's been quietly excelling right now. Same with Julio Urias. Like, no one's really talking about how good these guys have been. Now, I tweeted about Gonsolin earlier in terms of all the qualified National League arms. He's second in ERA to Sandy Alcantara, first in whip, first in batting average against. Now, he doesn't have that sexy key rate. It's 24%, which is, you know, it's that's about major average. It's okay. Not great. Not bad. But and he's also been pretty lucky. That's a 201 BABIP <laughs> to go along with all that, which I think is the lowest in in the major leagues in terms of qualified arms. But again, nobody seems to be talking about how good he's been this year. Do you are you buying Gonsolin kind of sticking as a top 100 dynasty type of arm in that range, or at least close to it? Or do you think this is a good time to sell high given the fact that his you know you know all the the, the XERA and the FIP and all that's a bit higher and that low BABIP? Do you think it's a good time to sell high? But even with them being a little higher, they're still in a solid range. Like the the XERA at 3-0, I mean, that's really good. He's not giving you the strikeouts that you expect. Um, but even still, like if he's a strikeout in inning type, like you can live with that because he's going to get a ton of wins. He's on a really good team. So that obviously does matter to an extent. And you know you're going to get good ratios. He's another high floor type player where, you know, I've gotten more confident in him. I, I really like everything that I've seen so far, and I think he probably deserves to push that range just because, one, the Dodgers, knowing that he's going to get a lot of wins, and two, just he's performed. Like When he's been healthy, he's been really good. So you can't argue with the results that, that he showed this year. Yeah, absolutely. I was looking at you know further down at the plate discipline metrics too with him. It seems like... He's traded a little bit of the strikeout stuff for, you know, better just results altogether. You look at he's throwing more strikes this year. First pick, first pitch strike percentage is up about six percent. He's hitting the pounding the zone more, about six and a half percent more. Though the you know the whiff rate's down about three point two percent, and especially on the you know his two big whiff rate offerings, the splitter and the slider, which in twenty twenty one were at forty one four. For the freight for the splitter, 47.8 for the slider. They're both above 40% in 2020 as well, and nearly above 40% for each of them in 2019, only missing by 1.7% on that splitter. But 38% or higher each one each of the last three seasons. But this year, like they're still good. Splitters at 30.8, sliders at 40, me 36.9. So those are just down about you know five to ten percent each on each offering. But look at them. Split fingers, 119 batting average against 213. Slug slider 131 and 192, respectively, and his curveballs are pretty solid as well 136 batting average against and 227 slug. So, really, if they're not getting to the fastball, once he gets into those secondaries, which he throws combined 61.3 percent of the time, you can't, he's really been hard to hit with all those secondaries. So, yeah, I'm mostly by maybe he's been a little bit over his head in terms of the, the, the uh, stats, but yeah, I think he's a borderline top 25 dynasty arm. Like, he's he's Kind of funny. I know we don't look at like wins and losses, but he's 15 and one this year, which is pretty cool. <laughs> he's probably be quietly get some Cy Young votes. He won't win it, obviously, but I can see him getting, you know, some top five Cy Young votes or something like that. So, and then Julio Urias as well. Remember, Chris, he had like a 
not a bad start to the season, but wasn't quite what we expected. But he's gotten back to that range like on the year. 23 starts, 240 ERA, 0.98 WHIP. He's got a you know 5.2% walk rate, which is about the same as last year. K rates, you know, down a little bit from last year, down to 24.4%. But all the ERA indicators are all pretty good as well. He's been, he's been a bit underrated too right now. Yeah, I mean, everybody got really hype on him last year, and I thought that that would continue, and the results have continued. That's the interesting thing, that the hype hasn't been there considering the hype last year when he came. I mean, I remember he was the top pitching prospect in baseball for a while, and then he just never really could get going. He stayed hurt and never really had these good MLB samples, and he's just 26 years old, just turned 26. So, you know, I think that's kind of important to also recognize here is that He's been extremely good this year, and I think even surprisingly a bit underrated. Yeah, absolutely. Is he is he a top ten dynasty arm for you? He's close. Let me pull up my list and see where I have him. I, I think he's right there. For me, it goes Burns, McClanahan. I'm I'm three four as a toss up right now. Cease and Alcantara, and then Cole's right there too. So those are my top five. Then I got Woody at six. I think you can make a case for Urias as high as seven because there's some other names in that range. Or, you know, Wheeler, Nola, a little bit older. Doan, DeGrom, Manoa. I think you can make a case. Yeah, I think he's definitely in that tier. So, like, that's tier. Yeah, I don't know if you want to call that tier two or tier three, but he's definitely in that tier. And he might be the one leading it. Yeah, it's possible. I mean, there's a lot of, you know, it's a big tier, honestly, at that point. It, it is a big tier, actually. Where yeah. he could, you could, Really put him anywhere in tier two, and I wouldn't be upset. Yeah, so yeah, I think I'll call it tier one just that burns through Woody because it's mm-hmm. not a big gap in any of those guys. I think yeah. Then that tier goes Urias, like Wheeler, Degromling, Rodones, at least in the back end of that tier. Max Fried's in that tier. I think Bieber's still there. I think Kirby could get there. Musgrove's still there. I mean, maybe maybe a little bit dropped out of like the Strider, Severino, May, Glasnow area, but. All those guys could get up in that tier pretty damn soon if they're not there already. So, yeah, definitely it's really impressive by both these arms this season, that's for sure. All right, next here we got Eduardo Rodriguez, who returned from his lengthy absence. He had a, I believe it was a rib cage, was it a rib cage injury he was battling? And then he was away from the team, just like a personal matter that we still don't really know what it was. But he hadn't pitched in about, I think it was pushing three months now. And but he, he had a decent return here yesterday or well, today on Sunday against the Angels from five innings, no runs, four hits, three walks and five K's. Now has a 389 ERA in nine starts this year. Is he someone that you're looking to buy low right now on Chris? Because, you know, the stats this year you know, were kind of mad before he kind of went out on that long hiatus last year, bloated ERA 474, but. XERA was 347. A lot of the other metrics were really in line with previous years or even a little bit better, or at least in that vicinity. So definitely didn't pitch that bad. Do so you think he's a good buy right now? Or are you, you seeing that someone you're really looking to target? I'm kind of avoiding him if possible. You know, he, he could have some sneaky value late in season, but it's only in deeper leagues. Like, I just don't really have a desire to go out and get him. Like, his fastball velo is concerning how we've seen it kind of trend this year. And I need to see what it was today, if I can find it. But in general, yeah, I'll, I'll pull I'll pull that up while you're talking. Okay. Yeah, and I don't know. He 
he's always just been kind of a man type pitcher that seems to get more name value, I guess, than actually, you know, executed value. So to me, it's, it's a bit of a concern. And, I, and I, his velo is, was down today still, which I yeah, guess is 91, nine. Yeah. Kind of to be expected when you haven't pitched in so long, but that's not what you want to see, honestly. So I think he's fine, but I don't think he's going to be that good. Honestly, he didn't, he got four swings and misses. Like that's not really good. So if you can get him cheap enough, I guess I would take a shot, but I'm not overly interested. Yeah, 14% whiff, 26% CSW, not really that enticing. Yeah, he was down, actually 91.9 was his average for the year. He was 91 today, so down 0.9. Cutter was down 1.1 from his yearly average. Sinker down 0.6, changeup down 1.8. Slider down just 0.3. We're hearing through that six times. But, yeah, and it was the Angels who they're dinged up. They have, yeah, they have Trout back, but... Yeah, so I, I think maybe if he builds up a few good starts here, he might he might be a good sell. Maybe you can get you won't get a ton for him. Obviously, it's not like you know it's Erod. It's not like you're trading away some highly regarded pitcher. But I might look to sell him if you can say if you can build up a few more good starts out of him. Then you know flipping for like a draft pick or, or a couple couple prospects, whatever it may be, might be a good time to do so because yeah, I don't have a lot of hope. Yeah, I think he's. I think the best from Erod is behind him, uh, but we'll see. I think he I think he could be still serviceable for fantasy, but yeah, I'm not like rushing out to get him. That's for sure. All right, let's go over to Mike Soroka here, Chris. Before we hit the break, he's on his way back. We well, we kind of mentioned him briefly last show, but I think we dig into him a little bit more here with his return coming up here next week or two. Obviously, for throughout his career, 37 starts, 286 ERA, 116 WHIP, been very very good. You know, the K rate has been. You know, not that inspiring. Eighteen point six percent in his rookie year, twenty point three, and then it was fourteen percent. But that was only in, in a few starts in twenty twenty before he got hurt. How quick? You know, how encouraged are you by what you've seen of Soroka? Uh, Soroka, do you think he's someone that can return to close to what we saw pre-injury? Is he a good buy for you right now, or are you kind of in wait and see mode? He's a, a good buy. I mean, he's obviously shown that he has some some good stuff and i don't know i think that he's just so devalued at this point in dynasty because he hasn't pitched in a major league game in over two years now so he's almost a forgotten you know player he did pitch today in triple a it was kind of a meh outing so i don't know i mean he could be back how he fits in the rotation not quite sure honestly because yeah, you know, they're pretty deep. I mean, Oda Rizzi's been trash, so he may not last very long. His line was okay today. I mean, three and a third, two earned. He didn't strike anybody out, <clears throat> which I wouldn't worry about it. I think at this point, it's just really about him being healthy and building up his arm strength and just getting used to being back on the mound. So he's going to pitch again in five days in Gwinnett. So I'm just happy to see him healthy, and I do think he can be a, a decent buy in Dynasty. I think so too, to a degree. I, I always was kind of the low man on Soroka. Like, I think he, obviously he's, he's good. Like, I'm not saying he's not, but I thought he got, he got a bit overvalued at the time back you know 2018, 2019, 2020 for Dynasty because that K rate has never been great. He's got a couple of good swing and miss offerings. The slider has been you know 38-1 whiff rate in 2019. 
and 38.9 whiff rate on the changeup. And those are both over 34%, or actually both right around 35% in this very small sample size in 2020. But the four seamer and the sinker just have been really underwhelming. You look back, well, what 2019, I'm not even going to talk about 2020 actually, because there was such, such a small sample size. 2019, sinker was 290 batting average against, and four seamer was 274. Uh, XBA 265 and 303 on those two pitches. Obviously, it doesn't get many whiffs at all, but that's not really you know, shocking with those two offerings. But same time, he's not ever going to be a big you know whiff rate guy, big strikeout guy. He's more of like a pitch to contact, give up. You know, maybe that's a little much, but get the ground ball, get the weak contact type of guy. But I, I don't know if I ever see him getting. You know, he had that 20.3 percent K rate in 2019. I think he can go a little higher than that, but. Are we really expecting even like 23, 24, 25%? I don't know if I'm there. So he's a good buy right now, but this could be a thing if he gets a couple of good starts into the year. Maybe he's even a sell this offseason. What are your thoughts on that, Chris? Yeah, I guess it just depends on the, how the rest of the season goes, honestly. Yeah. It's hard to imagine his dynasty value being enough by the end of this year to, to get to sell range. It just depends. Like if he comes back and – let's say he has one start in Atlanta and he just absolutely dominates and I could see there being a lot of hype, but I'm not sure that that's actually going to happen. We'll, we'll have to see how, how that goes. Yeah, for sure. And there's one more thing here. Like look at his X ERAs every year, four, six, seven, four, 11, five, Oh three. So always been pitching a bit over expectations or over his metrics, I should say, but I think he's good, but I don't know. I thought he was a bit overvalued. So I'm not sure I'd look, be looking to buy right now, unless I'm going to for dirt cheap, which you might be able to depending on your league, but We'll kind of see. It'll, it'll be it'll be a, a fun one to see how the rest of the season goes for him. And like you said, Odorizzi's been trash, right shoulder. You know, he seems to be okay now. Maybe he goes misses a start or two here and there. We'll see. But looks like we'll see at least a, at least a few starts as Soroka here down the stretch. All right, let's go ahead and take a quick break to get a word from our sponsor. We'll be right back. Support for Fantrax Toolshed is brought to you by Manscaped, who is the best in men's below the waist grooming. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools your family jewels. Manscaped recently launched the ultimate men's hygiene bundle, the performance package. Join over 5 million men worldwide who trust Manscaped with its exclusive offer for you. 20% off and free worldwide shipping. Just use the code toolshed at manscaped.com. Don't miss out on this offer. You know you need some new tools for your sheds. Head over to Manscaped now and get 20% off using the code toolshed and free worldwide shipping. Manscaped now has the Performance 4.0 package, and it's a game changer. Inside this package, you'll find the Lawnmower 4.0 trimmer, the Weed Whacker ear and nose hair trimmer, the Crop Preserver ball deodorant, the Crop Reviver toner, the Performance boxer briefs, and a travel bag to hold all your goodies. First off, the Lawnmower 4.0 is the trimmer of the future, dare I say, the greatest ball trimmer ever. I'm blown away by its performance and craftsmanship. Their fourth-generation trimmer features cutting-edge ceramic blades to reduce accidents thanks to their skin-safe technology. Lawnmower 4.0 is also waterproof, meaning you can use it in the shower, and also has a 4,000K LED spotlight that you need for your most precise shaves. You thought that was awesome, but Manscaped takes it even further as they now have the Weed Whacker nose and ear hair trimmer. It also has the same advanced skin-safe technology to help reduce nicks, snags, and tugs in your delicate nose holes. The Crop Preserver Below the Waist Deodorant and the Crop Reviver Below the Waist Toner will also change the way you approach your daily hygiene routine. And Manscaped will even throw in two free gifts in this Performance 4.0 package for you. 
the Manscaped boxers, and the Shed travel bag. Bring your comfort in boxers to the next level. It is time to take care of yourself. So go to manscaped.com today, order this package, or anything else on the site. But if you use the code TOOLSHED, you'll get 20% off, plus free shipping. Don't miss out on this opportunity. 20% off, free worldwide shipping, using the code TOOLSHED at manscaped.com. All right, welcome back from the break. Let's get over to some prospect promotions and standouts now. Starting with the two notable promotions to the major league level this week. Brett Beatty called up by the New York Mets and Shea Langoliers up to Oakland. Obviously, for fantasy purposes, Beatty is the you know more sexy prospect name here, even though he's not really a standout fantasy performer, I don't think. I think he'll, he's going to be a guy that's going to be very solid for a very long time. I, I fully believe that. He's shown that he can hit for a solid average. I think he's going to be like a 270, 275 type of hitter with a, a solid OBP as well. He had a walk rate above 10% this year and last year as well. Actually, really every year of his career, actually. <laughs> I know I'm thinking about it. but So, you know, 270, you know, 340, 350 OBP type of guy. 20 to 25 home runs. Maybe he gets up in the upper 20s at, at some point, but I don't think he's ever like 30 plus. But this is a really solid player. You know, he, he already went yard in his first major league swing, which obviously got Mets fans all hyped. He's now three for 17 through his first five games. Only three strikeouts, though, so that's pretty encouraging there. What are your thoughts on Beatty here? Is he one that you think he's a guy that can exceed expectations, Chris? Like, I know you and I have been, you know, Fairly high on him, but he has his swing and miss issues. More of a line right type of guy. Do you think he's ever get to a point where he can maybe be a, you know, maybe a starting third baseman in a, in a standard twelve teamer? Maybe I don't. I don't know if I see that. I think he's going to be really solid, but I'm not sure he ever pushes that range. And you know, I could be totally wrong, but I think honestly that a lot of Fab's going to get spent on him this week. And obviously, Fab runs in about an hour and a half from when we're recording this. I think a ton of fabs can be spent on him. I'm I'm not sure it's going to go to good use personally. Yeah, just looking at the profile, I think he's going to be solid. But I I'm not sure how long one he stays up. Like when does Eduardo Escobar come back? He does have big raw power, but he doesn't often get to that power because he hits the ball on the ground too much. And we're already seeing that at the major league level. So those are some concerns I have. I think he's going to be a really good player, but I'm not sure he's ever like a stud fantasy player. So like a solid corner infielder. Yeah, I mean, I could see that. Yeah, that's kind of where I'm at with him. Like I said, I, I think he's Ryan McMahon with a bit more average in OBP, similar power type, you know, 20 to 25. I so said maybe if he drives the ball in the air a bit more, he can get up in the upper 20s. But yeah, I, I think it's really solid, maybe corner infielder. But I do think he's going to, yeah, a lot of fab will get dropped in him, which is, you know, customary for any notable prospect that gets called up. But yeah, I think he's a very good, but not an elite asset by any means. Shailen Galeers, kind of in a similar boat with him. Like He's had the best offensive season of his minor league career so far this year. He was drafted back in 2019, kind of lackluster debut there in low A. Rome, last year, 256, 22 bombs, 97 games. This year in AAA, 283, 366, 510 slash. 19 doubles, 19 home runs in 92 games. Seeing that career-high 510 slug. The 227 ISO, you know, pretty solid. You walk rate up, K rate down, you know, all some solid improvements across the board. I guess kind of a similar question here for you, Chris. I've kind of been thinking about this. Is he even, or even stretches to 15 teamer? 
is he ever a C1 or is he more of like a really, you know, good mid to upper and C2? No, I think he's definitely C1 territory. I think that he's highly underrated. He hit the ball really hard in AAA and just kind of went unnoticed in my opinion. I mean, the stats were there, but he also barreled the ball really well. Really good hard hit rate, solid contact as well. I mean, his 90th percentile EV near 107 miles an hour is it's really good. You know, well above major league average. So you like what you've seen there, and he's already been off to a hot start in the major leagues. So I think he certainly could do that, and he's going to play most days because he's elite behind the plate, which only benefits him. So I could see that. Also, he had a triple today, and I saw it was the A's first triple all season. How is that even possible? <laughs> I, I was so confused when I saw that because is that? I, I hope that's not right, but I saw that and I was like, "There's no way." Okay, I I, I need to fact check this now because that would be absolutely hilarious if that's true. Okay, team stats, ESPN. Okay, here we go. Triples. This one surprised me. I. Uh, According to the ESPN, they have seven triples. Okay, well, I don't know what I saw then, but that would have been just baffling if he had the first triple, a catcher having your first triple all season. Which they're still twenty, they're still tied for second to last. <laughs> only, right. only team lower is Toronto, oddly enough, with five. <laughs> but where 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 are our Red Sox and Braves are both at nine, so not much higher than that. Yep. Who leads the league? All right, real quick pop quiz: Who leads the league in triples for the team? Do- Dodgers. Nope, Dodgers are tied for third. Okay. Who think, think smaller? <laughs> the Royals. There you go. Boom. <laughs> Royals with 29, then the Rockies with 26, and then both Los Angeles teams tied for third with 24. A little fun little uh, side note trivia there. But yeah, Langoliers, I've liked the adjustments he's made this year. And like you mentioned, Chris, like the elite defense, he's always been an elite defender, you know, dating back to his days at Baylor. Like this is a potential multiple gold glove winner. So that gives him a much longer leash than it would others. So if you're still providing that elite defense behind the plate where that is so valuable to a major league team, especially Oakland, you see that's kind of the guys they valued a lot, you know, especially with Sean Murphy, et cetera. So I could see him, you know, becoming, I think maybe back end C1. I don't think he's going to be like top 10, but maybe a guy that hits 250 to 260, you know, twenty low twenties home runs. I think that's definitely potential C one territory there. He'll probably always be the name that gets undervalued because, again, he didn't have the huge prospect pedigree. He's in Oakland. You know, Oakland guys often get undervalued just because it's Oakland. Yes, I think he's definitely a, a good sneaky buy just in all formats redraft. I don't think he'll go for a ton of fab. Maybe in, in two catcher formats he will, but uh, dynasty a great buy as well. I think he gets undervalued. He's kind of been the there's a lot of undervalued catching prospects right now you know especially they get you get the big names but those guys that are like behind the big names like andy rodriguez we talked about a lot you know, yiner diaz bo Naylor, kind of that that tier logan O'Hoppy just went out to he's not with the angels now in that brandon marsh deal a lot of good undervalued catching prospects to target and dynasty right now Lingleers is definitely one of them all right let's move over to some prospect standouts here let's start with some corner infielders josh young and Jordan Walker. Josh Young has been absolutely raking since returning. He's hitting 339. This is in 70 plate appearances with a 414 OBP, 806 slug. So that's a uh, quick math 467 ISO, five doubles, eight home runs, 11.4% walk rate, 8.6% strikeout rate. Do you think we still see him this year, Chris? And 
you know, are you still as high on him now as you were pre-injury? Because I think we were both kind of like, all right, we like him a lot. Shoulder injury, we'll see. But right now, it doesn't look like that shoulder injury is hindering him at all. He's just hitting home run after home run after home run. So are you still as high on him now as you were, let's say, you know, six months ago? Yeah, um, I dropped him a bit in the rankings when he got hurt, but I'm I'm really back in. I think he's definitely pushing that top 10 range again. He's been extremely good. He's hit the ball extremely hard. Obviously, small sample, but everything looks really good that we've seen. And he doesn't look like a player coming back from a shoulder injury. So everything around the hood looks good. Contact, power, everything you want to see from him. I do think he gets the call this year. You know, they've kind of tried to put a damper on that, but I, I just wouldn't put it past him to call him up. Like, give him a chance at the major leagues to see what he can do. And then he's probably you know, the regular third baseman next year. But right now, I'm sure the team's just saying that. It's kind of the same thing with Corbin Carroll. After two days, they can, you know, get called up and still maintain rookie eligibility for next year. So I, I think it's going to happen sooner or later. Yeah, I do too. And it's not like Ezekiel Duran, who's been starting a lot over at third. He was doing okay, but it's not like he's tearing the cover off the ball by any means. So, I would much rather your Duran could be a decent little player, maybe utility infielder long term. But Josh Young is your third baseman of the future, so I'm 100% in on well him in general. But just getting him that time in the major league, so he has that you know gets his feet wet, and then he can hit the ground running next year on opening day as their third baseman. And yeah, he's yeah I still like him you know more than Torque long term. I think the power will be similar. I'm not even when you factor in Comerica. Do you think Young is provides more power numbers than Torque long term? I think there's definitely he'll provide more average. I know that. I think we're both probably in agreement there. But do you think he even gets some more power in game than Torque does? Wouldn't surprise me at this point. I mean, yeah. what we've seen from Torque, I I think Young's still kind of developing, and I, I could see him really getting to that power. So could be fun to see. Yeah, and this was a I don't know if you saw it, Chris, but this was a a little discussion in the 30 rock D you got young or you got Vargas. I think you're Vargas. Yeah, I'm, I'm Vargas, but I think it's close. It is. Yeah. I think Vargas will provide a little bit of speed that young probably won't. And yeah, it's to be very close. I think they're both very similar average, maybe a little more average from Vargas, but they're both going to be high average, good, but not great power types. And, but I think maybe just look at Vargas will be in the Dodgers lineup as opposed to, Young in the Texas lineup. So, yeah, I do slightly lean Vargas as well, but I think they'll both be very good. And Young's a great buy right now. I think he's still a good buy. Get on, get in on, well, the getting's good because I think people got to realize very quickly how good of a hitter Josh Young is. Like, the dude is just raked everywhere he's gone. So, good time to buy. That window is shutting quickly. The other big name here, Jordan Walker has been, obviously, he's been a top 10 prospect for a little bit in a lot of fantasy focused circles. But one thing we were kind of all waiting on was when that huge raw power would start, you know, materializing more in games. And that really has over the last 30 days, 107 plate appearances. This has a 20 year old in double A, 337, 402, 663. It's a 326 ISO and eight home runs, six doubles with a 9.3% walk rate, 18.7% K rate. He had eight home runs coming into the stretch. So he's doubled his home run total over the last month here. I, I, there's no question he's top 10 right now, but where, how high is, is Walker pushing for you, Chris? Is he top five? I know it's a really, it's a huge cluster. There's a lot of good names there. Does he, is he top five for you now? 
Let me pull up and see. He's close, if not. I think the power hit is legit. And it's really funny because coming into the draft, like I I did have concerns about him, but he's just really proved me wrong. I'm at five on the dot, actually. So I've got Carroll, Gunner, Ellie, and Fulpe ahead of him, actually. So good list I, there. I have him seven, but I might change it. So mine are Carroll... Ellie, Volpe, Gunner, and I also have Lawler and Churio, but I might. I think it's a discernible top seven. I've, I've, I've dropped Hassel a little bit. The power numbers lately have been underwhelming. And then there's Tovar, Girod, Noelvi, those types of guys. James Wood, I don't think, is quite in that range. He could be, though. He might be. Where do you have James Wood, real, real quick, just while I'm at, thinking about it? He's at seven. Okay, so you have him at seven. So who do you, who do you have him ahead? Do you have him ahead of Churio? Nope, Churio's six. <laughs> I'm ahead of Lawler, Hassel, okay. Vargas, Drew Jones. Okay, so yeah, Wood might get up in that. But right now, I think it's I like my top seven right now. Maybe Wood gets up there. I have Wood currently at 11, but he probably bumps even higher. Maybe he makes that an eight-person tier, but that's a really good top seven or so. And Walker, I, I might move him back up to five. I, like, I don't think he'd move up past the top four. I'm pretty set on those as my top four right now. But I can see him putting him ahead of Lawler and Churio right now, even though they've both been putting up, you know, really good numbers as well. But just finally seeing Walker kind of get to that power more in game. Like we knew the raw power was there. It's all a question of when would it materialize in games, and it really has. And he's now up to 16 home runs, 17 steals, and a 312, 395, 530 slash this season in 96 games. You know, real quick, where do you think he ends up? on the diamond, Chris. Obviously, they got some guy named Nolan Arenado at third. They got Paul Goldschmidt at first. And he's played a little bit of outfield this year, four games in center, oddly enough, but two in left, seven in right, so nine in the corners. Do you think maybe, and they already have a bunch of like DH types, so do you think he moves to a corner outfield early in his career? Yeah, I would say that's the most likely spot that he does end up in at a corner, so that wouldn't surprise me a bit if he ended up in, in right or left, honestly. Yeah, because how long is, let's see, Nolan Arenado, it's another several years. I'm trying to see exactly when that contract ends. Let's see, it is, oh, geez, he's not. He's signed through 2027. So, yeah, unless there's a major injury to Arenado, he's not touching third base anytime soon. So, well, he's a third base prospect now. Maybe, when is, how long is Goldie? I could see first base, but it all depends on, Goldie's, you know, obviously pretty good defensively as well. Goldie is through 2024. So, yeah, it doesn't look like he'll touch a corner infield spot in the next couple of years. But corner outfield, maybe some DH. Maybe he spells them at each corner. We'll see. I don't, I don't know if he'll be able to be able to retain eligibility. But, you know, Walker, love to see that power finally materialize more frequently in game action. Three more hitter names here. Gavin Cross, Diego Cartea, and Harry Ford. So a couple, a couple of catchers there. But Gavin Cross is off to a very good start to his professional career in 53 plate appearances, 348, 434, 804, 10 extra base hits, five home runs, couple of steals, and nine point, let's see this home run rate, 11.3% walk rate, 22.6% K rate. Obviously, we already, I think we both had him top 10 in FYPD, but has this early performance from him moved him up at all in your rankings, Chris? No, it's too small of a sample at this point to to make any move. I mean, it's been really good, but just 41 plate appearances. So, you know, I'd like to see how he does rest of season. Obviously, you know, single A ball's only got you know, several more weeks. So 
I am I am happy to see that. Like it helps solidify the like the thought to put him in there, but I, I haven't really given him the thought to move up at this point. Yeah, I want to see him get get a bump here to the end, end of the season because yeah, he's just been absolutely dominant. He's you know he's too good for that level. He's been yeah thirty nine at bet, ten games so far in low A. I want to see him get the bump to high A for end of the year because yeah he's been raking. But I love that power. From Gavin Cross, I think there's a, a good hit tool here, not plus, but a good, you know, average above average hit tool, good amount of power, even you know, a small little element of speed. Maybe he's like a five to eight steel guy early in his career, and, and I, you know, I like what Kansas City does with their hitting prospects. I think they're them pretty well developing within their means. So I think Cross is going to be one that really kind of surprises some and kind of overachieves. I think he's going to be one of those guys. Uh, Diego Cartea, Harry Ford both on fire of late as well. Cartea, who I think didn't pipeline put him top 10 overall in their latest update, Chris. Wouldn't surprise me. They have so many characters up there. I know. And obviously there's just real life and not fancy, but I think I remember someone saying that they put him top 10, but you know, it's, well, I don't think he's top 10. I can see, you know, there's a lot of talent here, obviously you know, 20 year old years old, high a currently in the Dodgers org last 30 days, two sixty three, sixty four, six Oh three with eight home runs, 14.8% walk rate, 23.9% strikeout rates. So and he's really one that's always had the those tools to really move up rankings, but the numbers have slowly gotten there. Do you think that, first off, do you think he's still underrated, Chris? And kind of where does he fall in terms of the upper echelon of catching prospects? Do you think he's, you know, top five catching prospect for Dynasty, top 10? Where does he fall in that range for you? I think he should be top five. I don't think he's really regarded as such, but I mean, he's been really solid. I guess the concern is that he just really hasn't moved through the system like you would have thought. I know there's been some injuries and stuff, but you know, he only got 137 plate appearances in low A last year and then started out this year in low A and then bumped to high A, but he's almost 21. So you obviously want to see him get to that level in, in double a at least so you know where's the hit tool long term i guess that's the question but the power is certainly there and we've seen that kind of evolve where you know hit for really good power and good obp as well so yeah I, I think you can make an argument that he's still a bit underrated yeah i think i think i'm i'm there with you and you know, right now he probably a little bit higher in your rankings you're 270 hitter right now 402 obp he's up to 22 home runs and 388 plate appearances Good walk rate, thirteen point seven percent. K rate's a bit high, twenty seven point one. So yeah, maybe he's only two fifty to two sixty or so, which still for a catcher is pretty solid. Yeah. I do, I do think he's you know twenty five or so homer and hitter. Where does he fit in though with the Dodgers? With the idea of Will Smith there, not sure, but the talent's definitely there. So I think I, I think I need to bump him up a little bit higher than I had him. Because right now. At this very second, I have him 71. He's a few spots behind Harry Ford. Then there's a little bit more up to Davis or Wells. I think I'm, do I like him more than Davis or Wells? I think I might at this point. I don't know. What, where do you have him? You, you have him, Davis, or Wells. How do, you, how do you order those three? I might put him above those two, actually. Yeah, I have Davis and Wells side by side right now. And Cartaya, As do I. <laughs> yeah, Cartaya is currently behind him, but I think you can make an argument to push him up honestly above them just based on what he's done right and how about harry ford he's right in the middle of all that for me and he's been another guy that's been performing very well here over the last 30 days let's pull up his stats you know for the season 
board is now up to 274, 426, 439. So the power is a little bit underwhelming, but that 426 OBP is a 17.4% walk rate as a 19-year-old in high, or excuse me, in low age. That's very encouraging. Over the last 30 days, though, 310, 496, 488, six doubles, three home runs, four steals, 18.3% walk rate, 20.9% K rate. Where does Ford fall within all those guys we just talked about for you, Chris? He's been behind him, but as you said, I think he's making that push to continue to move up. And I love Ford coming to the draft. I think that he's one that kind of got a little bit underrated, but he's just he's he plays with such a high level of intensity too. I remember, you know, as a prep, like he was like bat flipping galore. People were getting mad at him for all that, but he just plays with it like another like a chip on his shoulder, in my opinion. The hit tool is Really good for a catcher, plus you add in the power and speed element as well. I think you've got a really good combo here with Harry Ford, and it looks like he's finally getting to that power some, and he's just been hitting the ball like crazy. So Ford, man, he's a tough one to rank at this point, but I think he's pushing like top 50 overall status. Yeah, he's just so different from these other guys too, obviously with with the speed element he brings. Yeah, I think he could. There's a chance he's better than Dalton Varsho. I think there's... I think there's a higher, you know, pure upside like it's fantasy ceiling for Harry Ford. And that's saying something because Dalton Barsho, you now he's been kind of underwhelming for most of this year, but still the upside that he has, I think Ford has even higher. If that materializes, we'll see. But yeah, I think definitely Ford is slowly trending up. And I think that arrow could start pointing further up here you know, over the remainder of the season and into 2023 as well. All right, over to the pitching side of things. We got four names on the list here. Starting with Gavin Williams, who I think is when it comes to top ten pitching prospects, doesn't get talked about enough, but he's definitely in that mix for me. And that, in fact, where is he? In terms of pitching prospects, I have G Rod one, Espino two, Yuri three, Bradley four, Tiedemann five, Harrison six, and then I have Williams at seven for pitching prospects, number thirty-eight overall. And then Painter, and then there's a pretty solid little jump down to like the Max Myers and Bayos and Hunter Browns and all those types, Gavin Stones, those types of the world. Is Gavin Williams underrated for you? He definitely is for me. But where do you value Gavin Williams, and how good do you think he becomes long term? He's in that second tier of arms. He's he's really good, and I think that he's probably like the most underrated of the second tier of arms as well. Hundred percent agree. Yeah. So you can get him at a bit of a discount. Really like what he's done this year. He's been highly impressive on all counts, and the Arsenal's extremely good. I think his fastball's pretty underrated, honestly. One of the better fastballs in the minor leagues, I think, and I don't think it really gets the credit that it deserves. And you mentioned Daniel Espino. You know, it's kind of crazy what's going on with him. He has not pitched in a game since April 29th. Yeah. And he had a knee tendonitis, and he's having shoulder issues, and they're saying he's not going to pitch this year. Like, I feel like I just wonder if I have to bump him down a bit. Like the talent's there, but you know that yeah. those that really concerns me that he hasn't pitched and there's there's no clear time for him to come back. Yeah, I've kind of thought that too. Obviously, like you said, the talent is there. It's you know maybe the highest upside. Yeah, I think only one that can really rival it is G Rod and maybe Yuri. But yeah, it's really been concerning that he hasn't pitched and we're pushing four months now. Maybe I don't, I don't know how if the if rest of the year means no AFL is he could be a prime AFL candidate just to 
make up some of that lost time, get some innings in before next year. We'll see. Yeah. Not sure how exactly. It's kind of been quiet too. They haven't really given like a lot of details regarding right. the sever- severity of these issues. But but yeah, that's definitely a bit concerning. But with Williams, yeah, I think you know fastball is elite. I think that curveball is very good. Big hammer. I I I love a good hammer curveball. I've always been a fan of more like the 12 to 6 curveballs and the, and the sweepers. I don't know why. I just love a good hammer curveball. He's got that for sure. So yeah, I think obviously Cleveland pitching factory, a lot of good things there with Gavin Williams. So I think if you're looking to target an elite pitching prospect that's, you know, close to ready, I think you can see him second half of next year. Probably starts at AAA next year. Up, you know, maybe around this time next year. If you can go get a try to kind of trade for an elite pitching prospect and maybe get one that's a bit more affordable than the others. Like it's going to be hard to get like Tiedemann right now. The price has skyrocketed the Harrison, you know, Yuri, et cetera. So Williams probably the, you know, most affordable quote unquote of the elite pitching prospects for sure. Next on the list here, Kate Cavalli. He's one that, you know, I saw, did I see Kate Cavalli? Is that last year? Hard to remember this one, but I, yeah, I think it was, it was, it's double A's. It must've been last year and he was very good, but the, Kind of the command and control has really been holding him back. And I dropped him down around 100 or so in my rankings. He might have even dropped outside my top 100 at one point. But he's back in now. because He's been pitching very well here lately. Last 26 innings in AAA, 208 ERA, 119 whip, 30 strikeouts. But again, still 12 walks on the year. He's now at a 371 ERA, 118 whip. 104 strikeouts in 97 innings, but with 39 walks. Have you bumped him back up your rankings at all, Chris? Or is he kind of still in that range for you where you're just concerned that the committed control always limits him long-term? I, I do think there are genuine concerns that the command and control hinders him. However, he has been good, and he's really seemed to – he has moments where he looks like he's taking a step forward at least. So, you know, it's been encouraging to see – you know, some of the starts where the command is much better. And then you have others where it's just not there at all. But, you know, since July, he has a 147 ERA, 12 walks and 36 innings. That's good for an 8.3% walk rate, which is actually really livable. And the strikeout rate is back up to 30% over that time. So that's encouraging. I want to think that he gets a shot this year with the Nationals, but I just don't think they call him up, to be honest. Like, I don't really see why they would. And the comments that I've read kind of lead me to believe that he's just going to keep pitching in AAA the rest of the year, which give him a shot at least in the majors, but they haven't really seemed like that they're going to give him the call. I kind of think this, you know, similar things there because there's no reason why they shouldn't like, who are they running out that they're like, Oh, this guy's in our long-term plans that we need to get more innings to like nobody. I bet you people can't even name like two people in that rotation right now. It's so bad. It's like Patrick Corbin's the only like big name in that rotation right now. But at least let me say big name, recognizable name is what I should say. He sucks. Remember Patrick Corbin? There was like a little bit of time. He had a few, a few good starts like a month ago. People like, oh, look at Patrick Corbin. He's back. And I'm like, come on. Are we, are we really thinking Patrick Corbin is back? No, we shouldn't be. But yeah, I definitely think that they should give him some starts on the stretch. Like I said, he's been pitching well lately. You know, I think he's still back in top 100. I, I moved him back up a little bit, but here's a good question for you, though, Chris. Long term, let's say five years from now, who is, is getting drafted higher for fantasy? Kate Cavalli or DL Hall, who I think we both would agree has better stuff, but also probably even worse command and control. 
Who do you think is better in five years for fantasy? Yeah, I'm going to say Hall, but probably not for the reason you expect. I think he's going to end up being a really good closer. So I think I think he could be drafted higher just from the standpoint of he's an elite closer. Yeah, no, I I I could definitely see that. I wonder if Baltimore does make that switch here. We've, I think we've kind of both mentioned that, but yeah, we'll see. All right, last two names on the list here: Reese Olson and Prelander Baroa. Baroa has been pretty good lately, but he's one where he misses a lot of bats, but also walks a lot of bats. He misses the strike zone a lot as well. Over the last thirty days, eighteen and the third innings. 34 strikeouts, only 15, I mean, but with 15 walks, though. He's a t- uh, 22 years old. And for the season, 50 walks in 80 innings, 125 Ks, 236 ERA, 113 whip, though. So with those 50 walks in 80 innings, to only have a 113 whip, because he's only allowed 40 hits in 80 innings, he's another one where he's hard to hit, but command and control is just not there. Is there any value there in Prelander Baroa, Chris? Is he a guy you're targeting in Dynasty, or does that walk rate to scare you off? I think he's interesting, and he's been semi-interesting. Like it's in, like he's bounced around so many orgs. Like he's in Minnesota, San Francisco, and then now he's with the Mariners. And you know he was traded for Donovan Walton, which is interesting. Donnie, yeah. So it seems like the Mariners can do something with him. Yeah. Considering the the walk rate, like it's highly impressive that his whip is one two six, like that's baffling to me. But I don't think that he stays there. You look at his career, and I think he probably he's still been a high walk rates, but I think it's closer to like a twelve percent. That's a little higher than you want to see, but he actually does have some stuff that makes him intriguing. And you know whether he sticks as a starter or not, I don't know, but he is at least an intriguing arm. Yeah, I I do think he's a bullpen arm long term, but in the stuff is is pretty damn good. If he can just harness it a little bit, even to be a 10, 12% walk rate guy, I don't know. Maybe he can make it as a starter, but just kind of a fun guy to keep an eye on. Last name on the docket for this episode, Reese Olsen. I talked about him recently in a bonus Patreon podcast that after I saw him, what was it, about three, four weeks ago at this point? Yeah, I think it was late July, maybe early August. I was underwhelmed with, with the stuff here, but last two outings, he's been very, very good. 12 innings, five hits, one run, one rock, and 18 strikeouts. This is 075 ERA, 050 whip. On the season, 98 innings. This has a 23-year-old in double A. 422 ERA, 128 whip, 138 Ks to 31 walks in 98 innings. Like I said, I was just like the slider was decent. Fastball was kind of meh. It's scream 50 grade fastball. Changeup was, you know, decent, but nothing here. There's no plus pitches. Community control was very consistent. So I already kind of talked a lot about him in that bonus feature. But I want to get your thoughts on him, Chris. He's a guy that's been kind of, you know, a semi hot name in the prospect world this year, especially early on the season. Where are you at on Olsen? Is he, is he a target of yours or is he someone you're not that high on? I think he's got an interesting arsenal, but I'm not sure that he's ever going to be like a, a wow you pitcher and i say that as he's got a, a 33% strikeout rate so you know it's it's hard to really say for sure like what's the end outcome look like with him and he's had stretches where he's not struck out anybody and then he's had stretches where you know like recently where he's had 18 strikeouts over his last 12 innings which is pretty impressive there so you know for the season 138 Ks in 98 innings I like to see that i mean the 
the ratios are are okay, not great. I mean, four two two ERA, one two eight WHIP. The FIP is significantly lower, and he's run a high BABIP. But I think there's still some question marks here. I, I don't know how high I'm willing to go on him at this point. I have him. Let's see where I have him in my rankings. To me, he's like a borderline top one hundred and fifty prospect. So there's some intriguing arms in that range, but. There's other guys I um, would willing to take a shot on over him. See, I had him last update 225. I pumped him down closer to 300. Maybe that was a little harsh. Maybe I'm overreacting a bit to my live look, but there was just nothing that impressed me there. Like, there's no plus anything. Maybe an above average slider. You got a few whiffs on that slider, but I also don't fully trust the Detroit pitching development. I mean, obviously they hit on Scooball, but. You know, Mize and Manning have both been, you know, underwhelming, at least compared to expectations. Obviously, there's been some injuries in there as well for each. But I don't know. I'm, I'm not I'm, I'm not in love with Detroit's player development in general. So he's just one that I think he'll be you know, maybe a solid number SP4, SP5. But I don't know. I wouldn't even say mid rotation for, for him, unfortunately. But he's still, you know, still, still a decent enough arm. That's for sure. All right. That is going to wrap us up, though. Thank you to all the listeners for tuning in again this episode. We hope you enjoyed it. You can follow us on Twitter. Chris is at RotoClegg. I am at AirCross04. And our shows at Fantrax Toolshed. Check out all of our written work at Fantrax HQ or over on our Patreon, of course. And join us again next time for more fantasy baseball talk. But until then, everyone take care. Yeah.